good. How many of you glad you're here today? How many of you ate barbecue today? How many of you plan to eat barbecue today? All right, well, that's a good reason to stay awake. And I heard that they're not going to let anybody eat barbecue that goes to sleep during preaching today. How many young people do we have here between 12 and 21? If you're 12 to 21, would you stand to your feet? 12 to 21. All right, now here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. If you have a family, a Christian home, I want you to be seated. You have a Christian home, Christian mom and dad. If you don't, I want you to remain standing. All right. That helps me out this morning. Now, you can be seated. Just so you know, um, you know, I, I am uh, I believe that, that the King James Bible is the word of God. And I, I I don't think I would be invited if I thought it was, you know, a preferred position. I, I don't prefer the King James. I believe the King James Bible to be without error. I believe, I believe it to be inspired, and I believe it to be preserved. And, and I'll tell you what, I, I, I don't apologize for that. There, there are people in Greenville that make fun of that position. They can just keep mocking on because I'm telling you, I'm convinced that that book you've got in your lap right there was written and inspired and preserved by God. But I want to give you, a, if I can just give you just a little bit, I'm, I'm going to be mindful of Brother Whittemore. Genesis chapter 11 is where language began. Is anybody here that speaks Spanish? Would you raise your hand? Anybody speak Spanish? All right, we've got a couple. Is there anybody that speaks French? Anybody that speaks Italian? You speak Italian. Io capisco Italiano? A little? I don't speak any. That's just the only phrase that I know. Here, here's what I, when we say we believe the King James Bible is the Word of God, there's always people, and you young people need to understand what I'm fixing to say, there are people that take issue with that. But here's what you need to remember. Do we believe that God made the heaven and the earth? Did, did God need help from any man to make the heaven and the earth? Do we believe in creation of man instead of evolution? Right. He didn't need any help in creating Adam and bringing him to life. Well, in Genesis chapter 11, do you know who diversified language? God did. So if anybody knows what the differences are, God's the one that knows that. And then when you get to Acts chapter 2, you've got 16 different nationalities present. And Peter stands up and he speaks in the Galilean tongue. And they all hear in their own language of the good works of God. And you know what I'm confident in? God's the one that translated that for everybody there. And I'm telling you right now, nobody from Egypt raised their hand and said, by the way, you missed a participle right there. That wasn't right. If God's the one that created language and then God can take and, he can take and translate that language, why do we not believe that he couldn't take and give us a perfect Bible? You understand that? In fact, you know, when we end up, the Bible says we're all going to speak one language. I hate to break it to you. It's not going to be Southern. Not going to be Southern. I'm sorry. And then we'll tell you why. When God finishes everything, Zephaniah 3, For then will I turn to the people of pure language, that they may all call upon the name of the Lord to serve Him with one consent. He's going to have a pure language. And somebody says, well, that must be Hebrew. No, I'm going to tell you what I think it is. I think it's a language, are you listening to me, that doesn't have any curse words in it. They might still be cursing on the earth, but they won't be able to curse in heaven. And here's why. Because we don't have a word for that in our language. We've got a pure language. All of that filth, hey, all of that filth will be gone. Amen. 
I like that. So if I believe that God can make everybody speak the same tongue in the end of time, and He's the one that started the diversity of language, and then He can translate it to Acts chapter 2, every word, every word is exactly what God wanted it to be. Don't let anybody take that away from you, you young people. All right? Don't let anybody take that away from you. Titus, if you would, this morning. Now I'm going to start my time. I'm starting my time. Titus chapter 1. When you look at the book of Titus, and I just started the study in our church, in Titus chapter 1, what you see is you see a difference between sound doctrine in the book of Timothy and sound living in the book of Titus. What I mean by that is if you'll look there with me in verse number 1, Paul, a servant of God, and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. Young people, can I say this to you? It is not enough to know what's in the Bible. You need to live what's in the Bible. It's not enough to know all the different standards and have all the different verses down. There is a difference between sound doctrine and, hey, can I say this morning, we need sound doctrine. But I'm going to tell you what else we need. We need somebody to live a, a godly and sound life. We need that. And in chapter 1, you have a godly young man by the name of Titus, and you see in chapter 1, godliness in the church. Come on, some of you preachers, help me here just a minute. We don't need to make our churches acceptable to the world. We need to make our churches acceptable to God. There ought to be godliness in the church. You say, well, if we'll just drop our standards and change some things, we'll have more people. You might have more people, but you'll have less doctrine. You'll have less God. You'll have less the hand of the Holy Ghost on you. I'm not going to give up that blessing so I can have a larger crowd. And then, in chapter 2, there's supposed to be godliness in the home. Come on, I need some mothers to help me. How many of you believe we need godliness in the homes of America, ladies? We can talk all we want to about Washington, D.C. All those people in Washington, D.C. are a product of their home. And when you have broken homes that God's not on the inside of, hey, listen, I walked in today, I feel, can you tell I feel comfortable? If you can't tell I feel comfortable, I'm just, I feel comfortable here. All right? And and that's because I think God is here. But God ought not just to be under the tabernacle. God ought to be inside of our home. There ought not to be a standard of godliness in the church. And then on the other side, a different standard of godliness in the home. Shouldn't be that way. There are people that get upset about not singing out of the right hymn book, and we have the, we got the church hymnal, and I praise the Lord for it. But then they turn around, and during the week, they're, they're singing something that comes out of Nashville. We need godliness in the home. But then in chapter 3, you know what you find? You find godliness in the world. Now, you know what? The world doesn't want godliness. You young ladies, there's a young lady in the back. I can't see who she is. Don't know who she is. Don't know anything about her. But when I walked back in, she had her hand up in the air. She was singing out loud. She was praising God. And she looked like a woman. I didn't have to stop her and say, by the way, do you know which gender you are? I didn't do that. Now, the world, the world doesn't want that brand of doctrine in its workplace. But I'm telling you right now, I believe we ought to have God under the tabernacle. We ought to have God in the church. But we ought to take God out into the world and let them see what we have. Are you listening? What we have is a whole lot better than what they have. A whole 
lot better. Godliness in the church. Godliness in the home. Godliness in the world. Timothy's a godly young man, though. Look at verse number 4. Look how Paul describes him. To Titus, my own son, after the common faith. Grace, mercy, and peace. He calls him my own son. He loves him. My son, if he wants something, I try to help him get it. I've taken him hunting. I've taken him to Alabama football games. I, I noticed you didn't have any special chairs with an A on it inside. You know what else I've done? I've just given him money. I have prayed for him. I've tried to help him. I, you know why? Because he's dear to my heart. He's a child that God gave us after three years of not thinking we'd have a child. It was hard. Didn't think we'd have one. And then God gave us this red-headed, blue-eyed, freckle-faced boy. And he's dear to my heart. Paul says of Titus, he's my own son. He can have what I have. He can come where I am. He has status with me. He doesn't have to go through a secretary. He doesn't have to walk through a group of people. He can just call my name. Hey, Paul! And right there, Paul says, y'all bring Titus up here. Now, look at the next verse. Verse 5, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. Now, here's what I want to do for just the next few minutes. Titus is a godly young man. I'm going to show you why I believe that. I think today the world has the idea that we need to be great. You need to be a great young lady. You need to be a great young man. You need to be the best ball player. You need to be the prettiest young lady in the place. You know what I tell you? It would be better to be godly than to be great. It would be better to be godly than to be gifted. There are some people that can sing like a bird. They can play instruments. There are people that can get up and preach. Listen, they can preach the paint off the wall. But I'm telling you, what we need, what we need today, what we need today, we need some young people that aren't just gifted and aren't just great. We need some young people that are godly in God's eyes. That's what we need. We need some godly young men and women. And this passage lets you know you can be that. Now, that doesn't mean you sit around and you look at people like you're holier than they are and you look down your nose at them because they're not like you and they don't go to your church and they don't have a three-piece suit on and you do or the length of their hair is different. Listen, godliness is something that is God-likeness and it means that we're being approved by God and not everybody else around us. You know what that means? You guys need, you guys need to work at being approved by God. That's what you need. You need to be godly. Well, if I'm godly, I'll be godly when I'm 30. Don't wait till you're 30 to be godly. Don't wait until you get down the road. Don't, Don't wait till you go out and sow your wild oats. Hey, choose to be a godly young man and young lady right now. I want to be godly. Not good. Not gifted. Godly. Well, let's look at that just a minute. Let's look at a couple things. Go Turn with me in your Bible. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. If you don't turn with me, I'm going to thank you sleeping. You'll get a barbecue. Unless you're a pastor and you can sleep all you want to. Galatians 2. Galatians 2, we find Titus in verse number 1. Fourteen years ago I went up again to Jerusalem and Barnabas and with Barnabas and took Titus with me. The Bible goes on to say he goes up by revelation, verse number 3, but neither Titus 
who was with me being a Greek. The reason I ask you to sit down if you have godly parents is there are some people that don't have that luxury. The Bible says that Titus was a Greek. That means that he believed in gods like Zeus, Hades, Poseidon, Apollos, Kronos. He had a whole different set of gods than the gods of the people in Jerusalem where he was going. And I want to say this more. Listen, it is an advantage to have godly parents. If you have godly parents, you would all appreciate that. I'm going to tell you why you ought to appreciate that. You ought to appreciate somebody telling you the truth that's in the Bible instead of you growing up believing all the lies in the world. You know why your age group right now has a problem identifying what gender they are? Because they've been told that you can choose that. Come on, how many of you know you can't choose your gender? You know why you can't choose your gender? Not because the Baptists are mad about it. Because God made them male and female. Mother and father. Husband and wife. You need to know that. That needs to be something you have your feet firmly planted on. And what I'm saying is, but, but the world, the world's very different from that. They, they, they believe all kinds of things. And somebody not raised in a Christian home, they may think drinking's all right. How many of you young people here don't think it's good to drink alcohol? Would you raise your hand? You better put it up high. We're going to have a different message now. That's right. The Bible is very clearly against consuming alcohol. You can use all the Greek words you want. You can try to take and, and say, well, there's nothing wrong with a, a glass of wine because it's just socially, it just helps you be able to relax. I'm telling you right now, the Bible says it bites like a serpent. It stings like an adder. You don't have to ask anybody a question whether it's good or not. It, the Bible says don't fool with it. Don't even look at it. Now, listen, but a man that didn't have a Christian home, he didn't have that. You understand that? He didn't have a church where they sang out the church hymn. He didn't have a King James Bible in his hand. And you know what I like about this? The only thing we know about Titus' family, not like Timothy, the only thing we know about him is he's a Greek. Boys, let me tell you something. You can be raised in a home where nobody knows who God is, where nobody knows what the Bible says, where all of, the, all of their principles are wrong and backwards. But you know what you can do? You can do what Titus did. You can choose to rise higher than you're raising. You can choose to say, you know what? I'm going to believe what's in that Bible and not worry about the way I was raised. That's nothing I want to say. I'm going to end up preaching a long time. No, I'm not. Here's what I'm saying. Look, we have a victim mentality. It's everybody else's fault. The reason I'm not serving God is because mom and dad were drunks. Hey, I'm telling you right now, mom and dad can be a drunk, but you can live for the Lord Jesus Christ. You can be raised in a Pentecostal church with the wrong Bible and wake up one morning in a Baptist church with the right Bible serving the right God. Amen. But it's your choice. Titus is an example of a young man that rose above his raising. Now, can I ask you a question? If that young man can rise up above his raising, how many of you that have godly mothers and dads think we probably ought to step up our game? Come on, if you've got a mom and dad, you've got every advantage. If there's anybody, listen, if there's anybody that's godly, it ought to be somebody that's got a mom and dad that love God and love the Bible. Right, so we ought to raise that. I look at Titus, I like him. He's a Greek, and, and yet he chose God outside of all those other gods and all those other things. The second thing I want you to notice is this. In verse number 3 it says, Neither Titus, who was with me being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. He's in Jerusalem. 
A bunch of Jews are there. And they are debating in Acts 15 about these Gentiles getting in. By the way, aren't you glad that God saves Gentile dogs? I'm I'm glad that God has grace for Gentile dogs. You know, I think sometimes some of us as brethren think a little too highly of ourselves. Listen, we, we, we ought to thank God that we got grafted in. Amen. We ought to thank God that we're not out there in that pagan world running around all those crazy gods the Hindus have. We ought to be glad that God let the Gentiles in. Now listen to me. But they're all standing around. You know what they're saying? You need to be like us. Titus, you need to be circumcised. You're talking about the peer pressure. Oh, the peer pressure. Titus is going to be an example of a young man that is confident in his liberty in Jesus Christ. I'm going to say it again. Listen, I believe that women ought to look feminine. Don't worry, I'm not going to preach on it so I can exhale. I believe that men ought to look masculine. And, and, And I really believe that what you ought to do is you ought to be confident in the principles that you know are right regardless of what pressure other people put on you. Well, man, you are, you are just boring. And Have you ever heard this group? And Listen, I'm glad some of you young people don't have a clue who the new stars are in Hollywood and who the new stars are in Nashville. You know, it's a good thing that you don't know all the things everybody else knows. I'm glad there's a bunch of you in here who don't know anything, what beer tastes like, what it smells like, what it looks like. That's a good thing. Well, somebody will mock you. Oh, you're, you're just one of those goody two-shoes. Oh, you you got a dress. My, my daughter my daughter goes to a university, supposed to be a Christian university. Very few of them wear a skirt, wear a dress. She does. And there have been people that have put pressure on her. Why are you doing that on campus? You know, the, the right answer is, because I'd rather be approved by God than be approved by you. You young people, don't let people put pressure on you to be what they are. You be confident in what God's given you liberty to be. You know what He's given you liberty to be? A child of the King. That's who you are. You may not feel like it. You may not look like it. You wait till the rapture takes place. You're going to find out there was a whole lot more going on on the inside than we ever knew about. You are a child of the King. Well, act like it. All right, like, I think y'all be happy. <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen young people like this. Oh, Lord, we've got to be at church. And then they have a friend show up and they get on their phone. By the way, and I say this, adults, if you get on your cell phone during the service, quit fussing at young people getting on there. Did you hear what I just said? If you're going to get on your cell phone during the service, don't fuss at young people getting on there. I think that's pretty good preaching. That's right. Well, I'm the pastor. Well, you know what? Set a good example. Amen. I'm the missionary. Set a good example. Let them know what's going on up there is a whole lot more important than what they got going on right here. My Twitter account, my Instagram account, my Snapchat account, I have none of those accounts. And you know what? I am not worried about it at all. You say, you don't have any friends. i got more friends than a lot of people on Facebook do. Right. They'll put pressure on you. Have you noticed that, well, I don't want you to raise your hand. When I was a boy in the 70s and the late 60s, bell-bottom britches were in fashion. Okay? When I was a boy 
on a couple of occasions, I had to wear bell-bottom breeches. They're not cool. They don't look good. They look like pants that somebody had a blowout at the bottom. They're great big bells. I hated those things. My mother, my mother had, my brother and I had the same shirt. I've got one. It was a rugby shirt, and it had huge lapels on it. The other day I saw somebody wearing a goofy-looking shirt and big bell bottoms out in public, and they were acting like, well, everything is good. I am in style. No, you're not. You're way behind the times, and you look stupid. <laughs> well, you shouldn't say that about our fashion. It's stupid. Put that pressure on you. Well, I gotta have a tattoo. Why you gotta have a tattoo? I gotta have an earring. Why you gotta have an earring? So you look like them? Look, why don't you worry more about pleasing God than pleasing the crowd around you? We need some godly young men and women that'll say, I'm more concerned about pleasing God than I am that crowd out there. That crowd out there never did anything for you. Jesus washed your sins away, wrote your name down in the Lamb's book of life. Hey, God has blessed you. Please Him. Timothy's that example. I can hear those Jews gathered around him. And they're saying, boy, you, you're, you need to get like us. You need to be like us. And he said, no, I don't think I will. I got liberty in Jesus Christ. <laughs> I think I'm going to stand right where I am. You can have confidence in that. Now, third thing I want you to look at, and I am trying to mind my time. Not only was Timothy an example of somebody that rose above his raising, he was an example of liberty in Christ. Isn't it a blessing to be free in Jesus Christ? Amen. Then if you look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 7, I know we're turning, but I fell in love with Titus. I like Titus. I think there's a Titus here. I think there's a young lady like Titus here. I believe that. Look what it says, Second Corinthians chapter 7. Look at verse number 6. The Bible says <clears throat> about Titus, Nevertheless, God that comforted those that are cast down comforted us by the coming of Titus. Paul said, I found some comfort from Titus. Come on, that's a young man. That's a young man. That young man brought comfort the tightest heart. Hey, can I tell you guys something? If you'll live for Jesus, you will light the fire of your parents and your pastor. You, you talk. Listen, I'm not talking about being good. I'm not talking about being great. I'm not talking. About get, but if you'll be a godly young man, if you'll do that, your your pastor. He'll go off to a meeting and he'll say, boy, we got a young man right there. He loves God. He loves the Bible. You will encourage him more than a hundred dollar bill. Titus brings comfort. Do you see that? Not only does he bring comfort, look what else he brings. Look at verse number 13. The Bible says, Therefore we were comforted in your comfort, yea, and exceeded the more joyed we for the joy of Titus. How many of you think it sounded like Titus was joyful? Come on, Titus. So, Titus is bringing comfort. Titus has joy in his heart. Look at one other place, and then I'll tell you what I believe is going on. Look at chapter 8, verse number 16. The Bible says, but thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. He had a love for somebody else. Now, you know when I read that, you know what first thing comes to my mind? The Bible says that the Holy Ghost is the comforter. The Bible says that we're to be filled with the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, 
and peace. And you know what I think is true of Titus? I think Titus is an example of a young man filled with the Holy Ghost of God. He's got love that God put in his heart. Do you know you can't fake that? Come on, you can't fake that. You can't fake being full of the Holy Ghost of God. You, yeah, you can act like it. You can make people think that, oh, I'm walking on, I'm, wa- I'm walking on water. You know, the truth is, if the Holy Ghost is in you, somebody else is probably going to know about it. And if he's not, somebody else is probably going to know about it as well. And Titus is a young man. He's full of the Holy Ghost. Why do we think that's only for the men on the platform? Come on. The men on the platform aren't the only people that ought to be full of the Holy Ghost of God. If you're born again, you ought to be full of the Holy Ghost. Son, come this way. Because here's what happens. If you're full of the Holy Ghost, when you're walking by somebody, and you get bumped, you know what's going to come out? The Holy Ghost. But if you got the flesh in you, walk by and bump me again. Hey, don't you know who I am? Don't you know I'm a preacher? What in the world are you doing? You're not looking where you're going? you got some kind of problem? You know why that comes out? What's in the heart comes out the mouth. When we get in a valley and there's trials there and somebody can lift their hand and praise the Lord, somebody's got something different on the inside. And you guys can have that. Being full, thank you, thank you, I did, did I hit you too hard? Just make sure. We can sign a waiver now if you want to before sign. <laughs> I'm looking at this, this young man named Titus, and Titus is full of the Holy Ghost. How many of you preachers would like to have men like that in your church, young men? I say give us 200 of them. Give us 200 young ladies that are full of the Holy Ghost of God. Oh, listen, you can't be full of the Holy Ghost. Now listen to me if you're full of filth. Come on now, would you say amen to that? If the world is putting filth into your mind and your heart, you cannot be full of the Holy Ghost. You can carry the right Bible, you can wear the right clothes, you can say the right things, but you can't be full of the Holy Ghost if you're letting filth in your mind. Listen, that's why some of you young people, you need to quit listening to some of the music you listen to. Come on, you need to quit listening to it. The Bible says that David, when he played that harp, the Bible says that the spirit of Saul was refreshed and that evil spirit left Saul. So can I ask you a question? What if you're praying the wrong kind of music? Could the wrong kind of spirit come in? And could you end up being oppressed? Listen, the, the music today is so different. Somebody help me. Isn't the music today so different than when you were a kid? Good night. I, I can't stand rap music. I can't stand it. I, to me, rap music is not music. Rap music is a bunch of hollering. You say, well, you just don't have any taste. Mm. I got good enough taste to know that what's coming out of that guy's mouth isn't what I need to have in my heart. You can just run on down the list what comes out of Nashville. And listen, when you start talking about immorality and all that, you don't need filth in here. Listen, you guys are surrounded by filth. You got filth on your devices. I'm I'm telling you, the world, you young men, the world wants to pump into your mind the pornography and filth of this world. And I'm going to tell you, statistically on this row right here, over half of you, probably down to right here, are guilty of looking at pornography, according to statistics. 
And you know all the devil's doing? He's lifting up the top. He's pouring in a bunch of filth. He's trying to soil your heart, soil your mind, soil your soul. He's trying to put his nasty finger. Hey, don't let him do it. Don't let him do it. I was in the Philippines, and they asked me if I wanted to eat this 21-day-old duck egg. A fermented 21-day-old duck egg. They said, Pastor, everybody eats them. Listen, I watched the guy. He broke it open. He peeled it down a little bit. Inside, I saw the little duck head. I saw the little feathers. I, I saw the yellow. And then he took that thing. He put it all in his mouth, and he ate it. And I watched that. And you know what I said? He might do that, but that ain't going in here. You say, why not? Because if it went in a 21-day-old duck egg with feathers and a head, if it comes in here, it's going back the other direction. The filth of this world will keep you from being filthy. And you know what else? The, the fakeness of this world. You know, I, I, think, I think young people don't like somebody that's two-faced. They don't like a hypocrite. Then don't let the world make you a hypocrite. Don't act like you love Jesus at camp meeting and then go off and talk about something that's filthy. Don't be fake. Don't, don't be fake. Boy, today when you look at somebody, you, you really don't know what you're looking at, do you? Everybody's getting real nervous right now. And I'm, all I'm doing is preach. Listen, I, if a woman's eyelashes can touch the back of the wall, how many of you know that's not real? It's not real. And some guy, some guy's going to say, wow, she has really long eyelashes. No, she has some really expensive decoration put on her face. <gasps> Look, she has beautiful blonde hair. Even though if it's blonde up here and down here, but then down in the middle, it's dark. It ain't blonde. You know that's right. Now, I'm not, now, if you're in here and you've dyed your hair, don't, I'm, I didn't say you can't do that. I didn't say you couldn't wear fake eyelashes. I'm, I'm just saying this. Our world is eaten up with people that are not what they seem to be. There is no doubt in my mind that the person running our country right now is not Joe Biden. It's somebody behind the scenes. We can see that. We know that. Listen, don't be fake. Be real. Be real. Be fake. Don't be full of filth. Don't have a bunch of foolish principles in your life. That's Titus. I have one other thing I'm going to show you, and I'm finished. Last thing about Titus. He's an example of a young man filled by the Spirit of God. Oh, God knows I didn't come to preach just to be here. You young ladies, we desperately need some young ladies that are full of the Spirit of God. You young men, you may not have been raised in a home where God was, but you need to be a young man that's full of the Spirit of God. Our churches need it. Our country needs it. Last thing about Titus, if you look there in chapter 8, verse number 6, it speaks about the offering. If you know your Bible, we're in the, uh, the chapter of, of where Macedonia is being used as an illustration to provoke the Corinthian church to give. Look at verse number 6. Insomuch that we desired Titus. Paul said, I'm choosing Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. In other words, he's being given the responsibility of bringing the offering back in Corinth. Look at it again, chapter 12. You see the same thing. Chapter 12. Look at chapter 12, verse number 17. Start in verse 18, sorry. I desired Titus, and with him I sent a brother. Did Titus make a gain of you? 
Walk we not in the same spirit? Walk we not in the same steps? Now listen, guys, think about this. There are people that are bringing large amounts of money and they're putting them in the offering plate. Paul says, I want that young man to go to Corinth and I want him to bring that offering with him. And I know what happens. Sometimes there are people that give a large amount of offering or they give a large check, and, and, and I'm not saying every time, but sometimes somebody does that to impress other people. Sometimes it happens that men take note of who gave the large offering. Sometimes a pastor knows the people that have money in the church, and he's a little bit afraid to go ahead and touch certain things because those big money people, they can pull it all back. You know what I'd say again? I'd rather please God than please the richest man in the county. I had a man come by. Guys, this happened to me. I had a man come by. First church I pastored in Alabama, 22 years. I, he came in my office. He had a stack of $100 bills with a wrapper that said $1,000 on it. I'd never seen that. And he came over, and he slipped it in my pocket, and he patted it. He said, got something for you. I looked up at him, and I said, did you pray about that? And he said, I did. So you know what I did? I took it and spent it. But I didn't listen to what he had to say. And I didn't start meeting for coffee on Saturday afternoons. And you know what? Every now and then he'd come by, he'd put a thousand in there. And you know what happened as time went on? It went from a thousand to maybe a couple of hundred dollars. You know, the last thing I got from him was a green ham that was rotten. You already found out. Can't buy this young preacher right here. Can't buy this young preacher. Titus has got listen a bag of money. A big bag of money. And he's carrying it back to the church and he doesn't take anything out of it. And Paul says, that young man or just, that young man can be trusted. He can be trusted. Go back to chapter 1 in Titus and I'll finish there and then I'm going to sit down. I got, looks like I got about four minutes left, four thirty minutes is up. Look what it says here in Titus chapter 1. Now go with me, we're finished. Titus chapter 1. I, I, I read this and again, I fell in love with Titus. Titus is a godly young man. You can trust him. He's got character about him. Look at Titus chapter 1. Look at verse number 5. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting. Crete had problems. In fact, would you look at the next page if you've got a scope for the Bible? Look at what the Cretans are. The Bible says the Cretans are, verse number 12, liars, evil beasts, and slow bellies. How many of you don't want to pastor that crowd? Liars, evil beasts, and slow bellies. And yet, that's exactly where Titus is. He's in Crete. And Paul tells him, hey, you go take care of the problem. Hey, son, tell you what I'm going to do. There's a couple of little problems going on right here at the camp meeting. Got some guys that are mad at each other. They really don't appreciate the preaching. The last guy that preached about Titus, they're really upset about him. If you don't mind, would you go talk to those preachers and get it all straightened out? You say we would never do that. You're absolutely right. But Titus got tagged to go fix the problem. Listen, I remember I was in the car with my son, and I told old truck, I said, son, roll up the window. And we keep going down the road, and he never does. I still feel wind coming in. I look back at him. I said, roll up the window. He said, Daddy, it doesn't. Where's the button? I said, son, you've got to take the crank, and you've got to roll it up. Don't even know where that is. Listen, somebody that can drive an automatic vehicle doesn't mean they can drive a manual vehicle. Would you say amen to that? 
where you just go, I got a new, brand new Camaro, you go out there and you just take care of that thing, carry it down the shop. Titus is a man that can be trusted. And then look what else, and you may not agree with me, it's okay if you don't, verse number 5, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. Son, say what I want you to do. Next year I want you to go ahead and pick out three or four preachers and we're going to have them preach. You think that'll go good? You do. He's got confidence in you. Do you think that'll go good? He's got confidence in you. you think that'll go good? You think that'll go good? He may not know him. You don't have character. Listen, to be trusted, you've got to have character. And you've got to have competence. And this young man has got good character. And I read about Titus, and I say, Paul, I understand. A young man full of the Holy Ghost. A young man that's an example of confidence and liberty in Jesus Christ. A young man that's an example of somebody that can be trusted. I'm going to tell you right now, we need a house full of... Listen, we need a country full of young men and ladies just exactly like that. And you know what I tell you guys? Why don't you determine to be a godly young man? Why don't you ladies, why don't you determine to be a godly young lady? Oh, and by the way, that's not good just for young people. That's good for older people too. Not be great, not be gifted, but be godly. Lord, best I can, I preach the message you gave me. I know the need of the hour, Lord, is some young men, some young ladies, that could hear that call to be sent out into that harvest, whether it's right here in North Carolina or whether it's across the sea. There's not a church represented here that doesn't have needs that need to be filled by somebody. There's not a church here that doesn't have people in the community that somebody needs to be a light to. I just pray, God, you'd help these young men and these young ladies to determine that they want to be a godly young man, young lady in your in your eyes. And we'll thank you, Jesus.